Alrighty, friends, we're back for your favorite podcast show of the week. This is Location Weekly. It's episode number 652. We're recording on January the 8th and uh, excited to be here. How are you, Abrana? I'm doing good. I'm excited to be our first um, real show of the year, 2024. And so, yeah, just feeling the, you know, the rush of a new year and um, the excitement that the year starts with. And I guess the anticipation for like changes and success and hope <laughs> for a, a better year than the last, right? Growth. Yeah. Well, and just like peace, like the, all this war stuff that's going on over in the Middle East and this, that, like, I don't know, in Ukraine. And yeah, I'm, I'm hopeful that it'll be, uh, it'll be a better year. Um, yeah. And things are crazy busy. We're obviously, you know, we're through the holidays and now it's, conference season's full on. So I'm heading to CES tomorrow in Vegas. The week after that, we have NRF in New York where you are. Uh, I'll be seeing you there for sure. Um, and then it just, it kind of just keeps rolling from there. I do want to like, though, just give a quick shout out. So, and you'll appreciate this. So I was in a, uh, a catch-up meeting earlier today with a, um, former, uh, colleague, business associate, um, uh, who's now with an, an agency called Operatic, who watches the podcast every week. And she's like, I watched last week's podcast show and it was great. And so shout out to Shaylin and um, thank you for continuing to watch the show. There you go. Thanks, Shaylin. <laughs> <laughs> so we appreciate it. Uh, anyhow, so this week's show, now that we're through the prediction show, we're kind of back to our regular schedule, although slightly modified. Um, we're only going to do two stories this week. Uh, Rihanna will do one, I'll do one. And then in the middle, sandwiched between that, uh, we have a guest interview actually um, from um, a company called TT Rideshare. So I'll talk more about that in a little bit. But uh, why don't you kick us off, Rihanna? All right. Well, this one comes very close to me from Samsung, an announcement that was just made a couple days ago. And this is really cool, actually. So, you know, I think we've talked a lot about how. Um, many cars are starting to incorporate, uh, you know, like uh, I would say like voice activation, ordering, how can they make and integrate more systems into the car's um, home system itself. And now Hyundai and Kia Motors are starting to really think about, about how do they partner. And they have made a step with Samsung and partnering with Samsung's um, SmartThings, which is our IoT Internet of Things platform. Um, for the connected car services. Um, so the three companies are really thinking about like, how can we break boundaries between, you know, our living space, right? And then our driving space. And it kind of all runs together. I mean, if you have kids, a lot of times your living space is in the car because you are transporting them around from activity to activity. And a lot of times your backseat looks like um, a very messy living room. So I think this is really cool. So I have clearly I have several Samsung appliances, phones, fridge, um, uh, air purifiers, like tablets, you name it. Right. And the, the Internet of Things uh, platform that they use called SmartThings is actually really cool because you can control it all from an app um, and you can set things. So imagine being able to. Uh, seamlessly ask your car to turn on certain lights before you get home or turn off certain lights, uh, adjust the temperature or deploy your your um, robot that cleans the carpet, right? Like getting things prepared and for you 
to arrive or for your departure. So I really think this is, um, you know, the car to home and home to car kind of a play and making that as part of a consumer journey in our life and, and connecting all of those pieces that help provide stability, right? Like our lights and, and our cleaning and our air, um, just bringing that all together. So I really love this. Uh, it, again, this is um, under agreement, you know, it's under this agreement um, that customers are gonna be able to remotely control all these digital appliances. Um, and I don't know, I think it's really cool. I like the idea of commanding things on the go. I know that it just makes things more seamless to be able to do that and not necessarily have to go into your phone app, but be able to use voice commands and really expand that and oversee like what's happening on the home front while you are moving out and about. So I love this. I'm expecting that we'll see more and more of this. Maybe, you know, other companies will have other choices or maybe they'll have a diversification of IoT offerings and embeddings. Um, but I think that this is uh, really a positive development. What do you think? Totally agree with you. And I, I I have a feeling, I mean, I don't, I, I don't have any way to validate this yet, but I'll find out this week while I'm at CES that the whole sort of telematics and connected car space is going to, you know, sort of have a big presence uh, in terms of vendors and technology happening there. So I will, I will be exploring the, the floor and seeing what I can find uh, in that area. But from a personal point of view, I would, you know, I totally see the value in this kind of thing. Um, I think it makes a ton of sense. Um, I don't have a ton of smart appliances currently but i will say like i i drive a, a relatively new volvo um i have the app on my phone and in the winter in particular i do use the app you know to start the car and get it warm warmed up and all that kind of stuff before i even go outside so it would be really cool if i could just do that with a voice command uh as opposed to having to launch the app and you know kind of do all that kind of stuff um so I, I totally get the value of this and I think it makes a ton of sense. And I think the market is really just in its infancy in terms of adoption of these, these capabilities, these technologies. You know, we talked just the other week about the penetration of, um, you know, these um, uh, smart home devices like, you know, uh, at, you know, these Amazon Echoes and Siri and, you know, all these kinds of things uh and how quickly and and what the growth market looks like for that and i think if you can tie those things together be it samsung or otherwise with all the other you know smart enabled iot devices in your home or in your car or in your office um i think that uh you know it's it, it's it's all about convenience and improving you know our lives and kind of making things seamless and easy so i i'm fully on board for this so good story and, and good partnership. Um, okay, so we're going to pause there. Uh, and as I said, we have a guest interview this week. So I had uh, the privilege earlier um, today, actually, to sit down with a gentleman by the name of Dwight Housen. Uh, he's the executive director of a company called TT Rideshare. TT Rideshare essentially is the Uber of uh, Trinidad and Tobago. And the reason this came to be is... Later this month, uh, on the 24th to 26th of January, there's a conference happening called FinTech Islands. Um, and uh, basically it's a regional conference uh, within the Caribbean and 
Latin Central America in particular, um, and kind of about bringing the whole fintech community together and and technology companies at large in that in that community. Um, and so I'll be down there. Dwight will be down there. We'll be speaking about you know location technology and and payments and integration and all these kinds of things. But I thought it'd be good to bring him on board uh, and have him share some thoughts with you directly um, and then encourage you to come down to FinTech Islands because who doesn't want to go to Barbados in the middle of winter? I mean, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I think that um, we're really like going to feel your suffering while you are, are there. With the it's an open invite, Abriana. You're welcome to come. <laughs> <laughs> bring the girls down <laughs> i i'm gonna be searching up tickets here shortly yes. yeah, yeah there you go so here he is here's dwight from tt rideshare there so dwight welcome to location weekly how are you all right asif thank you very much hi everybody um thanks for having me on today um i'm good i'm good actually sunny today <laughs> sunny today compared to the read we've been having all weekend so i can't complain too much yeah, there you go. So, Sunny, where where are you? Where are you uh, based? Where's uh, TT Rideshare? Right, so, TT Rideshare. Um, TT. It's, it's it's just there, but it's stands for Trinidad and Tobago. Um, so we're based in Trinidad, right? So we're a local rideshare and company. Um, that we that was established in 2018. Um, we are the market leaders in rideshare and currently, you know. So um, we were we're in the Caribbean. We are looking at, you know, expanding further, but for now we're based in Trinidad and Tobago. Amazing. So one of the reasons that uh, we wanted to have you on the show is at the end of this month, uh, the 24th to the 26th of January, uh, we will both be uh, at a conference called FinTech Islands, uh, which is happening in Barbados. And uh, you'll be speaking there. And so we thought, let's get you on the show and kind of give people a little bit of idea of kind of, you know, what you guys are all about and, and you know, some of what we might be talking about uh, there. But uh, let's start with, you know, um, what was the basis for creating TT Rideshare? You know, what what problem were you solving or why why did you decide to kind of do this? All right. So, um, so my co-founders, myself, um, we actually all drove for Uber. So um, for persons who don't know, may not have known, Uber operated in Trinidad for about a year and a half. So, right, just on average, about 18 months. And um, they quickly paused operations, um, literally given a day's notice that tomorrow they're going to pause operations in Trinidad. Um, so essentially for us, we, we you know, there's not much time to think. Um, we had like a whole group of drivers that gathered, you know, trying to figure out, you know, what was this about? What was the reason behind the move? Um, and then, you know, a smaller group kind of came out of that, 10 co-founders, and we decided, you know what, this is a huge opportunity. It's a loss for a lot of persons, a lot of drivers, um, like ourselves, but it's a huge opportunity for locals to step in and fill a huge gap. Right, so within about three weeks of Uber leaving Trinidad in 2018, TT Rideshare was launched, right? And um, we were able to more or less capture a wide segment of the driver market um, and then quickly following the rider market. And from there, we continue to grow and expand for the last five years. Excellent. Yeah, no, that's uh, that's a great story of kind of, you know, 
trying to fill fill a market need, you know, when kind of, you know, a, a, a brand that came into the market wasn't able to to continue and, you know, you're kind of left with, you know, how do we service this when you know there's, you know, there's a market as a driver. So that's, Correct. that's interesting. Correct. You know. Um, you know, when we talked earlier, one of the things that you mentioned to me about the market in Trinidad and Tobago and, and the broader Caribbean in, in, in general you know, one of the challenges there is it's it's a highly uh, unbanked, um, you know, sort of market. A lot of cash, very unbanked uh, transactions. How has that played into, you know, how your uh, your system works today? Um, so it's it's provided a lot of opportunity for um, developing relationships with financial institutions and for drivers to start to develop relationships with financial institutions. So predominantly taxi drivers, taxis in Trinidad, everything is cash-based. Um, and because of that cash base, it's very difficult for self-employed drivers to acquire any kind of banking facility because there's literally no paper trail. You know, So one of the great opportunities that we were able to give drivers is we track all your earnings and all your trips. And um, drivers with that over the last few years, you know, we've had persons who can actually present to their bank um, financial statements of their earnings throughout the months or the years. And, you know, you have persons who have been able to open bank accounts or even get loans based on, you know, stable earnings, you know, throughout the years. So you have part-time drivers and you have full-time drivers. So, you know, full-time drivers who don't have any other income other than driving or ride-sharing, you know, they've been able to show a flow of cash, you know, and it's something that, you know, it's backed by a system. So that was one of the great opportunities that came out um, for, you know, drivers that would have traditionally just been doing taxi operations and not being able to present anything. Yeah, that that makes complete sense to me, right? And having kind of having a trail, having a way for them to to manage and and uh, kind of understand, you know, sort of the transaction volumes and and uh, flow through that uh, makes a ton of sense to me. All right. The um obviously we're we're the location based marketing association, so you know we're front and center and kind of the use of uh, location uh, data and geo positioning technologies and things like that. Obviously, when you're talking about a rideshare app, this is is central to, uh, you know, to, to the operations of that. But is there anything unique that you guys are doing and how you use location data within your mobile app infrastructure? Within, within our application, what we do a lot is look at the data and analytics. Um, rideshare, and because we are the leaders in the rideshare markets, we have been able to collect and gather a lot of data. Um, and what we have worked on within the last two years of our operations is focus more on our analytics and data segments. So one of the things that we focused heavily on was geolocations um, and customer segmentation. So we are able to see, you know, where customers are underserved, where you see a lot of um, unfulfilled rides and requests. And we try to market and push drivers towards those locations. So geolocations are, are really big in terms of the data analytics that we use in terms of being able to be able to reach out to riders and to provide a better level of customer service for persons that do have those bad experiences. You know, we can look at hot zones where you have maybe one rider requesting 10 times, 
you know, and then yeah. what we, we try to do is we look at those areas and see why those type of areas are underserved. Um, and we also look at ways to compensate riders for those bad experiences. So when we see riders who have 10, 15 requests that goes unanswered, you know, the fulfillment would be low at those points. And then we kind of make some recommendations to those riders. You know, sometimes it may be an issue of safety um, where the location may not be perceived as safe. You know, and we're able to reach out to those riders and say, you know, there's a verification process where, you know, if you verify your account and drivers see that there's a, a green tick for verified accounts, you know, drivers are more inclined to take your trips. So mm -hmm. in instances like that, we look at locations um, and the lack of fulfillment within certain areas to kind of guide customers to a way to better experience the service. Makes a ton of sense. Yeah, that's a, it's a it's a great use of of data as well. I mean, I think that uh, you know the, the the challenge with a lot of these types of applications uh, is there is actually a lot of data available, but often you know you don't have the teams or the expertise to you know really dig into that, analyze that, and then turn that into something that's actionable and you know can affect real change and positive impact for you know the business and and ultimately the, the you know the the end customers as well so that's that's great great to hear that that you're doing that yeah so it's, it's just to... it's good that you said that just just because within our first few years you know we we missed a lot of on the mark of there well we've been in operations for five years and for the first three we just gathered data and gathered and collected data and there's no real way for us to utilize it in a meaningful way so we spent the last two years really trying to look at the data that we've mined and, and try to segment it to offer, you know, something of more value to both riders and drivers. Yeah, it make, makes a ton of sense. So so coming now back to the the conference. Um, so again, you know, you're you're going to be a, a speaker at uh, FinTech Islands, uh, which is January 24th to 26th at yes. uh, at Sam Lord's Castle in Barbados. Um, you know, what uh, we want to encourage people to come out, especially, you know, businesses, companies, you know, who are operating within the Caribbean, within the West Indies, you know, in, within the region uh, overall, um, you know, in fintech, in location, you know, in, in these sort of adjacent areas. You know, what can people kind of look to you, to, to your talk, your panel, your discussions? You know, what can they expect to hear from you? What, you know, what's a key message, a little, a little tidbit to, te to tease the audience about uh, why they should come to hear from Dwight? All right. So what, what I would like to get people to, you know, focus on is the fact that we are a global village, right? And technology has been able to connect so many persons, so many people, a lot of our vendors that we utilize in terms of technology, they are from different parts of the world. You know, from India, um, we have vendors in Barbados, where we will also be at um, FinTech Islands. We have vendors in Jamaica, you know, and technology makes it so easy for us to connect and, and utilize a lot of services from a lot of international persons. And I think this conference is a good segue and a good opportunity for persons to meet, you know, not just international players, but regional players in the technology space. You know, there's a lot of opportunity for regional growth. Because um, what I would say is we lack technology as an export within the region. And there's a big opportunity for the growth and expansion of 
technology as a service. Um, what you can expect here from us is how we've been able to grow and transform in the technology space from, you know, using just a, a plain white label solution, which is what got us to launch within three weeks, you know, to the point where we are now, we are trying to move into a space where we are moving towards developing our own technology, you know, so being able to meet with key persons there and hear from other persons as well, it's a, a great way for the grand diaspora to grow. So that is something I'm looking forward to. Um, and it's something that I'm, I'm looking forward to speak to persons about at the conference. So bottom line is, is, you know, uh, you're looking for partners, you're looking for, you know, uh, you know, growth, you're looking for expansion and, and, you know, you can't do everything by yourself. Of course, there, there's that, but we also <laughs> want persons to see the opportunity yeah. within your region for that yes. growth as well. You know, because as much as we would like to do everything, you know, within the region for ourselves, collaboration is the only real way to have any kind of impactful meaning. You know, so the international investors and international players in technology, them coming to see what we have to offer and see what we're building and see what we're building within the region, I think it's a, a really great opportunity. So I would like to help lend, you know, our, our share our experiences in, you know, how persons see those opportunities. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for your time, Dwight. It's It's been great to have you uh, as a guest on, on the show this week. Again, we want to encourage our listeners and our viewers to, if you're in this space, uh, to come to Fintech Islands. It's it's January 24th to 26th in Barbados. Who doesn't want to go to Barbados, you know, in the I mean, winter, right? Uh, so let, let's let let us do that, first of all. And you can, it's just fintechislands.com is, is, uh, is the website, so you can check it out there. Uh, and you'll, you'll see Dwight, you'll, I'll be there. Um, and, uh, we would love to, uh, to have you. So thanks again for your time. Much appreciated. All right, everybody. Thanks, Asif. Y'all have a good one. Everybody be safe and looking forward to seeing you at FinTech Islands. All right. On to our, uh, our final story for this week. And so an interesting one, uh, campaign that just, just wrapped up actually, uh, over the holidays, um and uh burger king is at it again you know i love these burger king stories because every time they do one it's like mind-boggling to me and so this time they're using facial recognition uh technology and this is burger king in brazil in particular um and they, the campaign's called the hangover whopper and essentially what they've done is they built a microsite uh and also through uh the brand's uh, mobile app and the campaign encourages uh, the users to basically take selfies of themselves. And then facial recognition software essentially scans their face and it measures their your hangover level um, from a on a scale of one to three. And then the site basically, based on you know where where you fall on that scale, then recommends which combo is the right one for you is it the whopper junior or the double or you know the you know whatever it's going to be um for your post-party uh state of uh hangoverness i guess so and then you're prompted from there to then share your results you know on social media so this was created uh by an agency called dm9 it just wrapped up on january 2nd um, and basically when you do this, uh, you get a coupon, uh, you know, towards this, you know, this Whopper combo. So you're getting a discount. So you're, you're incentivized to do this. 
Um, but here, the interesting thing I like about it is that the coupons are only available for Burger King delivery. So this is a way for them to drive, you know, more sales and, and more traffic on their, uh, on their, on their delivery service, which I think is, is cool. It's brilliant. It's, it's fun. Um, and you know, like initially I have to say my initial reaction to this was, well, yeah, okay. I get the fun aspect of it. And, you know, we're sharing some stuff on social media and, but how do you really know if I have a hangover or not or whatever. Right. Turns out there's lots of studies out there, Ad Age has reported on this and other studies are out there saying that, that have documented how alcohol consumption influences facial recognition. And so, you know, most of us now, like I just got a new iPhone, you've got your Samsung phones and, and all that kind of stuff. We use our face to unlock our phone or, you know, sign into different apps or different kinds of things all the time. And apparently one study uh, suggests that alcohol can heighten, uh, heighten a person's sensitivity to expressions of disgust and contempt. So there's lots of data on this apparently out there that's saying your face actually changes based on how, how hungover you are. And so they're not so far off, um, you know, as I had might have might have thought by this. So um, I like it. I think it's fun. I like that there's a sharing component. I like that there's a couponing uh, component. I like that there's an incentive to uh, drive traffic to the delivery service. If, you know, obviously that's an objective for them to, to grow. Um, so yeah, I, I, I just like it. I think it's cool. I do like all those things that you mentioned. I think it is fun for sure. It is creative. Um, I do love that they are, they are, moving people from like the go-to restaurant to the delivery service. I think that's super smart. Um, and I enjoyed reading some of the commentary on it about like how this is a terrible idea with the facial recognition. I mean, you know, you're always going to have the naysayers around anything facial recognition related, but obviously this was opt-in and consensual. <laughs> so um, I think this was like, a, and, and I think that in Brazil, it makes sense. You know, you've got many places that are moving away from it, but um, you know, certain countries tend to be a little bit more open-minded uh, to to certain technologies, and I would say this is probably fitting in one of them. So, um, you know, Burger King does it again. It's fun. It's catchy. Yeah, yeah. And, and just to add one, one piece to that. So many years ago, long even before, uh, just before I, I started the LVMA, I was in the Wi-Fi sector and I worked um, in Brazil uh, quite a bit, you know, with a company that was running all the Wi-Fi for the, you know, fast food chains and the airports and all this kind of stuff. So I spent a fair bit of time in Brazil. And one of the things I learned even at that time is the average, uh, so it's a highly, you know, unbanked, um, as we talked about earlier with TT Rideshare, these, these markets, highly unbanked market, but the average citizen actually has multiple cell phones. Um, like, so most people have, you know, like more than one phone. And, um, so I think like, you know, driving traffic to mobile, driving, you know, to these apps and to these delivery things, you know, it, again, kind of just works really well in, in, in a market like this. Yeah, sure. So that, so that's it for this week. Um, thank you for listening and watching. It's been episode number 652. And uh, we will be back next week with another show um, and uh, probably lots of news post-CES. So we'll see you soon. Take care. Bye. Bye.